panyavanta sayandammo nayandammo dupanyasa it is only through wisdom will one understand the dhamma the reason that i ask you to engage in merits is because that merits will develop your sense of wisdom your your skill your wisdom faculty it will develop that abstaining from unmeritorious deeds will do two things one it will help you develop your wisdom two it will bring you into the association of people who are also abstaining from unmeritorious deeds if you are someone who engages in unmeritorious deeds sorry but i don't like to associate you therefore what i know you will never learn good friends noble friends will not like to be with you if you are someone who goes lying goes around lying backstabbing hurting others stealing things right killing others even you know doesn't have to be human beings animals engaging in unmeritorious deeds doing bad things evil things sins shouting and yelling at others hitting others screaming at others hurting others feelings i don't want to be around people like you i'm saying if okay because like attracts like dissimilar things will always repel each other birds of a feather yeah so if you want noble association you have to play by the rules of the game which are abstain from unmeritorious deeds be a decent human being because then other decent human beings will like to be in your company and it is through that decent relationships will you begin to learn the truths about this world will you begin to learn the truths about yourself will you begin to learn that belonging only left you with a broken heart and nothing else didn't bring you anything worthwhile absolutely it is pro- it is absolutely productive man and you need it the sense of responsibility because you see think about this this sense of duty and responsibility what does that serve does it serve something good or something bad hmm? good a, a, a parent is responsible for his or her child so a parent has a responsibility to bring up his or her child in in a good way right teach the the kid manners and bring them up to be well educated uh, law abiding and decent human beings what does that help that child achieve eventually noble association right and a path out of suffering should that not be a duty and a responsibility absolutely if you can't do that then don't bring children into this world then you are being irresponsible let's take a material object if my i have an arms bow conventionally that belongs to me i need to feed this body don't i just as much as you do to feed this body i need something to put the food in and the buddha has permitted one arms bow so if i don't protect keep that arms bow safe then i will have to keep replacing it and it will become a burden on you 
to have to keep replacing it. You're not going to like that. But that is a duty that I have. That is a responsibility that I have. That doesn't mean I'm going to feel fear or grief because something happens to it. You see, I, what I, and it's an excellent question, madam. We need to really distinguish between this sense of belonging, which is what we're trying to get rid of, and the sense of responsibility and duty, which we are not trying to get rid of. The Buddha, all his life, did what? Fulfilled his duties and responsibilities without the tiniest modicum of a sense of belonging. Untainted by a sense of belonging. That's why to him, everyone was a child. However old or young, man or woman, he could see everyone as someone needing his help, his refuge. So he did not discriminate. There were no stereotypes. Still, he, he adhered to whatever conventions there were at the time. Now you might ask, well, why was, why did the, Buddha, why was the Buddha reluctant when the uh, you know, women came, walked up to him and asked for ordination? Because he had to adhere to convention. In a world where those conventions did not exist, he wouldn't have had a problem. I don't speak on behalf of the Buddha because I'm not capable or qualified to do that, but I feel at the time, women were seen in that light as, as if they were subordinate. They were second-class citizens. So let's say, you know, in a world where a people of a certain color were considered a, a lower-class citizen than others, right? If the Buddha, Buddha were around then, in that country, and that was the place where he had to propagate the Dhamma, perhaps, again, I put my hand up and say, I can't speak on behalf of the Buddha because I'm not all-wise and all, you know, I'm not the all-knowing one. It may be that he might have showed his reluctance. Perhaps he might have waited until the third request to say, okay, do it then. Because had he said, okay, the very first time it was asked, I think today the Bhikshunisasana wouldn't exist, I feel. Because there would have been so much uproar about it. Yeah, he knew he was playing a game. Because in this world that we live in, we have to live by the rules of the game. If you don't like it, why did you come here? <laughs> when you are here, you have to live by the rules of the game. As human beings, we have to do that. As devas, they have to do that. Brahmas, wherever they might be, they have to do that. Wherever we are, we have to live by the rules of the thing. That's, that, there's a certain convention, right? Wherever you go, at, this, at the workplace, at school, at home. Is there no convention at home? Of course. There's Tata's seat, right? And there's Ami's seat. And then there's Churiputa's seat. And then Lokaputa's seat. No, we don't, you know, let them have their own chairs. We, we don't go and sit in Father's seat. Because that's a convention. It doesn't mean that seat belongs to the Father, in the third dimension, it's just a chair invented for anyone to sit. But at home, convention is that's the seat of the breadwinner of the family. So therefore, we don't sit there. 
as was as used to be the case at home and i think that is good Yes. Yes, absolutely, ma'am. So you see, so a, this is a very subtle thing, and I, uh, that's why I'm trying to. I, I keep going over it time and time again because I need you to walk out of this room, either clearly having understood this or completely having deleted everything I've said <laughs> uh, from your memory banks. Okay, and I said nothing today. Today's sermon was Swami Nasi said nothing. I don't mind you walking out of this room thinking that. Oh, you have to go out understanding, having understood, right? We earn. We we you know one, once we have a so we we earn because we have a duty to our families, and not just to our families. We have a duty to this. No, yeah, I am. I have a duty to keep this safe. This body I'm talking of. I have to take care of this. What if I don't? Who's going to suffer? Again, I'm going to suffer. Why? Why should I suffer? Because we are all about ending suffering, right? That's why the Buddha did not condone. Yeah. He did not condone. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word um, fasting. For instance, that, that is not one of the activities you need to engage in in the Noble Eightfold Path. That is not part of Buddhist practice. Maybe there are some conventions, maybe even in today's Buddhist religion, perhaps there are some people who practice that. Perhaps, right? But in the Noble Eightfold Path, where he speaks of the philosophy, there's nowhere you will find fasting. Because we need to protect this. To the bhikkhus, the very, one of the very first pieces of instruction that he gave, which is called the Ovada Prati Moksha, the first instruction that he gave to his monks after the first 20 years of having set up, established this asana, there are three stanzas, and you can find this in the Dhammapada. I'll tell you one of them. Uh, Anupavado Anupagato, Patimokkecha Sangvaro, Matta Nyutacha Bhattasming, Pantancha Sayanasana, which is one of the Dhammapada stanzas. And it was part of the very first pieces of instructions that the Buddha gave to his monks. Matta Nyutacha Bhattasming, that does not say eat or don't eat. It says eat knowing what measure you need. So it doesn't talk about fasting. And if you know for your physical fitness you need to fast, then fast. Perhaps if you if you you know if you if you are uh, overweight or maybe if you are obese, then you know engage in that. If not, then eat eat as much as you need, eat as much as you need. So therefore, to you know, no one's going to feed you for free, right? Therefore, you need to go and earn a living. To earn a living, you need to go and see what else someone else might need from you because that's when they give you a living wage. So therefore, you have a duty towards this and you have a duty towards your family. No one's going to feed your family for free. 
So therefore, if you are a family man, you have a, 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 a big pardon, a duty and a responsibility towards your family. If you are a single person, you have a duty and responsibility towards yourself. Why do you think I'm so focused on Nibbana? Is that not because I have a duty towards myself? Today I realize that earning money is not going to help me fulfill my duty towards myself. That's why I'm not doing that today. Today I realize that becoming a wealthy man or a rich man is not me fulfilling my duty towards myself. That's why I'm not doing it today. Not because it's bad or someone said, you know, don't do that, anything like that. All I'm doing is fulfilling my duty towards myself. Because I'm here to achieve happiness. That is my duty towards myself. I will make sure that I will fight for it till the end. And for that I'll do whatever I, I need to do. And if that means I have to ordain, I will ordain. For that if it means I have to shave my head, I'll do that. For that if it means I have to practice the Dhamma or meditate for 40 hours, 50 hours or 100 hours, I'll do that. Because it's all to fulfill the duty that I have towards myself. So that's where we all start, duty towards oneself. Then you have a duty towards your family. As, a, as one of the senior monks in this monastery, I'm responsible for the well-being of over 150 people. So Guru Amre entrusts me with that responsibility. So he... It is my duty, he has made it my duty, and therefore have accepted it, to make sure that all our monks, all our Anagarikas, and all our Anagarikas, they're all happy, they are, they are in a reasonable state of well-being and they are able to practice the path without any discomfort. They have the requisites to make sure that they can continue with their practice until the end. I also have a responsibility to you as loyal devotees of the monastery. So therefore, I have a duty to, to organize events, plan these things, to make sure that when you come here, you are welcomed here and you feel welcome. That you're comfortable during your stay here. That you, you, know, you don't have to leave on an empty stomach. That you can sit down and listen to the sermons comfortably. That if you're unable to come here, that these sermons get recorded. They get online. And you can watch them from home. And to let you know that there's a sermon coming next week. Therefore, I have a duty to make sure that those communications go out to you. Each communication that goes out first comes to me so that I can check it before it goes out. Letter by letter, I check it to make sure there's nothing on there that can be misinterpreted or maybe misunderstood. And you tune in on one day or you come into the monastery one day when in fact the sermon is the following day. Those things don't happen because we check it. That is my duty. In other words, that's my job. Without a sense of belonging, I should be able to do it because it's my duty, it's my responsibility. It is only because of duty and responsibility that Mahakashapa, the great elder, convened 500 Arahatunuhanses back in the day, right? And inscribed the Dhamma. And today we have the Tripitaka, thanks to him. And 500 other great Arahants, great elders. If with their sense of belonging, their sense of duty and responsibility also vanished, Today, you and I would not be here. Certainly not as human beings. We might be grazing on some grass. 
not listening to the Buddha Dhamma. So you have to go to work. Yes, madam, you do. Yes, sir, you do. Do it. Because it's your duty. One, you have a duty to yourself. You need to feed yourself. You have to clothe yourself. You need to give yourself shelter. And when you're ill, you need to fix this when things go wrong, right? All about, with regards to all those things, you have a duty. You, need to, you also need to keep it safe from future eventualities. So earn yourself a decent living and make sure that you have something to, you know, a nest egg in case something goes wrong for unfortunate eventualities in the future. You can do all that with a sense of duty, not a sense of belonging. It's money, not my money. That's what I'm trying to say. So that money is there to ensure people can have a, a safe future, a good life. And whatever is needed for that to happen, engage in that. Make sure your children get a good, good education. Because it is a duty that you have towards them. And if they don't get themselves a good education, then they're not going to grow up to become decent human beings. They'll go up learning to beg, borrow and steal. Or give them to the sasana. That way you can fulfill your greatest responsibility towards them. Why? Because they all came into this world looking for one thing. That is happiness. You know fully well that earning all the money in this world, getting yourself all the certificates that you can afford, right? Building all the properties and houses and buying all the vehicles out there. You could get, buy yourself a yacht if you wish, but none of those things will actually give them happiness. Therefore, you see, if a parent wishes to fulfill their duty towards their children, And they understand that that can only be achieved through Nibbana. Okay? They understand that. Then they will make it their objective, their goal, their ambition to slowly, steadily, gradually instill within their children a sense of urgency and a sense of agency to attain Nibbana. That's why Guru Hamra always says, a parent who does not do that is not really fulfilling their duties. You see, when a parent wishes to bear a child, a mother wishes to bear a child, right? Normally they'll do the Bodhi Puja, right? go around uh, the, the, the Bodhi tree and they will wish, you know, please may I have a, a, a good child I, and once, once I, I have a child, I'll make sure that I will look after it and I'll yeah, I'll make it the happiest child alive. Well, the only way to make it the happiest child alive is what? Introduce the child to Nibbana, to give them the Dhamma, to help them to eradicate attachment and therefore suffering. Which lesson do they teach that at school? Is it for science, math, social studies, history, or biography, or ge geography? No. Do they cover it at medical school? What about law school? Engineering school maybe? The problem is 
actually people haven't understood their duty and responsibility towards their children towards others their loved ones and most importantly towards themselves that is the pity of course sir. yes and we are yeah 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 because you know to come across that message of nibbana that this is what true happiness is about you need merits and to earn merits you need to be interested in doing merits and to to engage in merits you need to be around people who encourage you to do merits and to be around people like that you need to do merits <laughs> You see it's a catch 22. Yeah. You got to be a good person to be around good people so that you can do good things. And you can only do that if you do good things to begin with. So that's what I'm saying. You know, let's not worry about how this all started and where it all began and how come you have been so fortunate to be here today. Somehow or other it happened, right? But remember your merit power is also anicca. It expires. it is consumed therefore as you reap it rewards it will diminish and you may sometime end up with an empty bank account it is possible quite possible what say again overdraw <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately you can't overdraw on this bank account you can't borrow on this on this particular account you can't borrow it's a savings account not a drawing account right so you can't take credit on this so the only way you can save yourself is one by earning merits and using those merits to put you in a position where you are able to continue to be in that safe environment that's why you're coming here and either here or anywhere where you have good noble association is always going to be the protection that you need for your journey to conclude the lady's question over there do whatever you need to do folks to fulfill your duties and responsibilities you know say if someone wishes to become a monk at the monastery we don't let them do it just like that the very first things we ask them is who are you leaving behind do you have family do you have a spouse do you have children do you, what about your parents how are they going to look uh, you know who's going to look after them when you when you come what about your children who's going to feed them have you saved for them saved up for them have they you know are they of an age where they can understand that you know their father or their mother is going to you know come into the sasana have you considered all options are you sure you want to do this and then we check that they are sure they want to do it over a period of 2 years how about that for size a minimum of 1 year up to a maximum of 2 years if in 2 years time we we still feel that they are not ready they have to go and reapply after a year it's very tough getting in here because we believe in duties and responsibilities both to others and oneself we need to be convinced that you have understood that this is the path to your liberation otherwise we don't take you others you become a pain to yourself as well as to others because if you are not happy you can't help other people be happy you will make life hell for others as well you know if you are someone who cannot be patient at least or 
you know, endure it when lustful thoughts or perhaps maybe thoughts of anger come into your mind and you you don't understand that these are your problems to do, deal with and not other people who are responsible for it, then what are you going to do? If you don't understand that, then you're going to take it out on others, either through raga or desha. We wouldn't want to pe- live with people like that. So we don't take people like that here. That's why one of the first things you have to do when you come here, if you wish to stay with us, is you need to convince us that you have some understanding of Nibbana. So we don't take any Tom Dick or Harry. Why? One of the main reasons, duties and responsibilities. Which is very different to duty, a sense of belonging. There's a conventional sense of belonging, which is the duty and responsibility. And there's this internal sense of belonging, which is only based in ignorance and attachment. That belonging will only leave you with fear and grief. That is the one I want you to understand. If your children are sick, tend to them. Take them to hospital. Look after them. Get them an insurance plan. Do whatever you need to do for them. Save up for them. Do all those things you need to do for them. But if something happens to them, you need to be able to say, ah, okay. Is that so? You should be able to ask that question. Is that so? Someone says, you know what? You just got to know that your son had got into an accident. Oh, all right. <laughs> but in this world out there, don't be like that. Cry if you must. Even if they are crocodile tears, <laughs> still cry. Otherwise, they'll make life very difficult for you. Because if you just say, Ah, oh, is that so? They might even suspect that you did it. <laughs> no kidding. At your mother's funeral, pretend to be sad. No, seriously. Otherwise, be like me. Because if a monk cries, that's an ugly sight. <laughs> so you see, I can be myself. Why? Because I have the uniform. That's why here I don't need to pretend to be anybody that I'm not. I can be Yathavadi Tathakari and Tathavadi Yathakari. Do as I say and say as I do. That I can be because I have the permission to do that and you don't expect any different from me. You know, if you walk up to someone and say, uh, Friend, you know, I brought my daughter with me today. And let's imagine you know, she's really pretty, okay? And you just introduce your, your pretty daughter to a friend, right? What is the expected thing to say? What must they say? Come on. She's very beautiful. She's very pretty, isn't she? Oh, she's see Devi. <laughs> You'll have to say that. Do you think I have to say that? What if I did? Go get in the car. (laughs) We are not coming back here. (laughs) But, you know, it may be that you have now progressed in the Dhamma and you realize that this is just the, you know, this is just the outer shell. And beauty is only, you know, it's just, you know, it's just skin deep. 
It's only in the eyes of the beholder and perhaps now you don't behold it. You don't see beauty, but you have to abide and adhere to convention. You will have to say, Oh gosh, she's so beautiful. Never seen anything like her. You'll have to say that. That's why we're on a stage. Right? If you're dressed up as actors, then you better be good ones. <laughs> that is why they say an arahant finds it extremely difficult to live a lay life. It's almost impossible. Because they have to constantly keep being someone they're not. They have to be acting someone they're not. They have to remind themselves, wait, convention is that I have to do this. Okay, so let me do that. No, honestly, they have to. They'll have to rely on memory. If an arahant lost his memory, he wouldn't know what to do. But he would still be an arahant. He wouldn't feel desire. He wouldn't feel lust. He wouldn't feel anger. No aversion, no delusion, nothing. Because that's not based on memory. That is eradication of ignorance and attachment. An arahant could lose his memory and he'll still be an arahant. But he may forget to smile at you when you smile. See, I, as a monk, can keep looking down as while you're all here and not talk to you one word after the end of the sermon. And that'll be totally fine. But imagine, you know, if you had a visitor. Right? And from, from the moment you came in, you, know, you offered them a meal, you gave them a gilampasa, no, not gilampasa, you gave them a cup of tea, right? You've given them a room, and from the moment they came in, they're like this. And they'll only answer your questions. They won't, you know, they won't, they won't speak their mind. They'll just be like this. Hmm? And then you come and offer them, uh, 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 you know, some a gift, right? And they, they'll just say, like that. This is a visitor. Huh? What will you say? Something's wrong with him. Yeah. But as a monk, if I, I, I don't have to pretend like, you know, those people. As a, you know, as a normal person, or everyone's normal, I mean, as a lay person, if someone gives you something, you have, thank you so much, oh my God, I was so looking forward to receiving something like this. When did you get it for me? Oh, you're so thoughtful. How did you remember it was my birthday? Do you mind if I unwrap it here? Now, you've got to show that you're really excited about it, right? You've got to even ask, can I unwrap it here, even though you don't want to? <laughs> But, you know, as a Swami knows, I don't need to do that. You know, if you bring a, you know, some opirika wrapped in wrapping paper, what if I was like, bring it, bring it. No, no. <laughs> Let's see what you brought me. <laughs> you won't come back here again. I don't want to do that. So I don't need to do that. Why? Because I don't need to pretend anymore. That's why... You're still living out there. Therefore, you have duties and responsibilities. When someone gives you something, you have to say thank you. It may be that you feel so grateful inside, but you have to express it. Otherwise, they're not happy. That is a duty I have. To, to, uh, you know, to make sure that, you know, human values and virtues and all those good things, good manners, you have a duty towards that. 
if someone asks you, you know, how are you? You have to answer at length. You don't come and ask me, how are you, Swami Nansi? So, duties and responsibilities can stretch from, you know, one end to the other. It's, it's, a whole, it's, a, it's a very broad spectrum. Just make sure that you keep asking yourself this one question. Am I doing this because it's my duty? Or am I doing it because I need to do it? Because otherwise I'm not going to be happy. As in, I have a sense of belonging here. And I'm fostering that. I'm nurturing my sense of belonging. Is that what I'm doing here? Or am I simply doing it because I have a duty? I have a responsibility. I'm not saying you can all kind of drop everything and start doing this from tomorrow. I'm saying this is where we are heading. Right? If you get there in a year's time from now, excellent. Two years from now, so be it. There's no rush. All I'm trying to do here is trying to get you on the path so that someday you will reach your destination. We'll all progress and reach our destinations at different points in time. It may be that sometimes, you know, you might complete your journey before I do. Who knows? But we'll all have different timescales. And that's perfectly normal. You know, the great elder Sariputta, he did, this, he did his job way before I did, way before I even started. What about the chief disciple in the previous Buddha Sasana? Hmm? Way before the great elder Sariputta Thero did. So you see, we all have a time and a place when these things will happen. What's important is not the result. What's important is, are we lining up the right courses to get us there? Remember, it's not about the destination you need to worry about. Make sure you're on the right journey. Because that is what matters. If you're on the right path, if you're heading on the right journey, if you're heading in the right direction, you will eventually get to your destination. Don't worry about it. But if this is the way you need to go and you're walking that way, you will never get where you need to be. All I'm trying to do is to get you, get your bearing straight. So you are heading in the right direction to where you need to be. That's why I say, you know, start with your parents. Make sure you're, you're helping them, supporting them. Perhaps that's where one of you will have to start. Maybe some of you have been doing it for donkey's years. Some of the things that I'll tell you will be things that have become very normal to you. You do them on a daily basis. You might even wonder, Saminos, you talked to us about this five years ago. Why are you talking about it today? I've been doing it over the last five years. Yes, true. But today there's someone new here. Everyone's starting. Someone's starting today. Mm. <laughs> this is where... That's a very good question, madam. When we try to fulfill our duties and responsibilities, we'll need to know where to draw the line. Yes? Hmm. There will be situations, there will be occasions, there will be individuals with whom your duty and responsibility will only stretch as far as they will permit you to. And then beyond that, you have to stop. It's a bit like you and I. If you don't want to listen to me, am I, will I be right to come, come after you and say, Ani, no, 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 please listen to me, no, no. <laughs> Is it right for me to do that? No. 
You can, you can always be creative. You can, you can try and think about other ways of doing it. Maybe I'm sure you have, madam. <laughs> Mm. Something must have happened. Yeah, she watches That's the thing. So, how can I tell you? She gets angry then when I tell her. Yeah. 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 In our approach and interaction with other people. Metta, karuna, mudita, and upeksha. It, is, it, is, it would be wrong of us to step outside of these four. These are called the four brahmic or noble abodes. Satara Brahma Viharana. You may have heard of it in Singhala. This side of metta is love. But there's no place for that in Buddhism. The other side of Vipeksha is anger. And there's no place for that either. But Vipeksha, or this, the English translation is equanimity. I'm not sure I fully agree with that, but that's what we've got for now. Is also permissible in, 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 the, in the Buddhist philosophy. It is also permitted. Meaning, when you know that this is not the right time, it's perfectly fine to take a step back and wait for the right time to come. It may be that the right time will never come in this birth. Think about, you know, I talk to you today because you are human beings and you have come here. There are so many people out there who don't want for, this, for, for me to talk to them in this manner. I'm not angry with them. All I'm practicing with them is upeksha. A four-legged beast, all I can practice with it is Upeksha. There will never be a chance for me to do anything different with them, certainly not in this world. Because I can't show it Metta, I can't show it Karuna, I can't show it Mudita. All I can show it is Upeksha. And I'm talking in terms of the Dhamma. Okay, I can give it some food. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Dhamma. In terms of the perspective of the Dhamma, all I can do for it is Upeksha. There are members of my extended family who don't wish to listen to the Dhamma. You have come here, but they don't. So with them, I practice Upeksha. You know, be like the wind. The wind just blows. A cool breeze, it just blows. And whoever is in its way, it will render upon them the coolness of the breeze and it will help them relax and, and soothe them, right? But say if you didn't like it, you could go inside, close all the windows, lock the doors. What does the wind do now? Open up. <laughs> I've come to soothe you. I will not go away until you let me in. Does the wind do that? No. The wind blows. But, does it not try another day? 
it always will so if you don't if you don't wish to be soothed by the wind today or when the wind blows if you're not there when when a cool breeze is blowing if you're not there to feel it's relaxing and soothing uh, you know what it does to you then it will try again tomorrow may perhaps tomorrow you will be stood outside and it will do its job without any resentment that you didn't allow it to do that the previous day so it's not going to come up to you and say well i tried yesterday you want to just said bugger off <laughs> wind is not going to do that if you are in its way it will do what it's come to do be like the wind and the wind will only do however much is allowed whatever is permitted so if you wear if you wear a thick jacket right then the wind knows right okay so he doesn't want the full 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 works he just wants you know just just a little bit right so whatever you allow the wind to do it will it will deliver if you cover yourself up then it will just do that if you want more what do you need to do take off a few layers and if you make yourself completely naked then the wind can do its maximum <laughs> the same here if you want the dhamma you need to be naked you know this is a metaphorical right <laughs> Whew, okay <laughs> in front of your teacher be open however much you allow your teacher to reach you that is the only extent to which they can do that the buddha does not allow us as swaminarayan says to go beyond what we are allowed to do because there's only one reason for this because it doesn't work like that and as the good lady said it may be that as you try to do it they get angry right and then they start swearing and they get they start hating it if it was initially a dislike then later on through your persistence you can actually turn it into a hate yeah and rage then they'll swear and you know they'll say no i'll never try it i'm never going to change and sometimes they'll just be stubborn now their stubbornness will get in the way sometimes they you know now perhaps they have the the merit and the wisdom to understand but now they have to protect what they have built right their ego i said i'm not going to listen to it and i'm not going to listen to it <laughs> see that is ego how deluded you know like a little kid sometimes if it doesn't like you to feed it even if it's hungry then no i'm not eating as if to punish you it is to punish you he thinks he's punishing you yeah yeah absolutely so the same will happen so therefore upeksha is also part of this 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 method of delivering the dhamma there will be times where you have to practice that so take a step back try again tomorrow try a different technique try a different method mudita which is upeksha is the hardest thing to do really when you care so much about someone and you want nothing but the best for them one of the most difficult things to do is upeksha which is to let them be for now because <laughs> deep down inside you want to do it right you know this is the only refuge for them this is the only way they can be saved so it's very difficult to practice that upeksha thank you bad man 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you 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 know you want to make the most of the time available, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, I I, I appreciate that. You know, last week I asked, asked asked you to make a plan, and perhaps some of you are now wondering how the heck am I going to break that barrier? <laughs> huh? So, you know, so I'm glad you asked the question, so I can share with you. Upeksha is also one approach that you'll have to take, perhaps on a temporary basis. When it comes to mudita, it's about you softening up inside. So maybe before we go step into upeksha, you can try mudita, which is where they will try to fight you. And you still have a chance to win them over. But you have to be patient. They'll try to fight you. you know, it's like wearing that jacket when the wind blows. You're reluctant, but you're not completely neglecting or completely discarding it. You haven't completely thrown up the barriers, but you're showing some reluctance. You know, how, how is it so? You know, look at them. How, how can I believe that? What, why do you say that this is true? And they'll start asking questions. So they'll not be immediately receptive to what you say. And that's fine. Then you'll have to practice mudita. Perhaps they'll shout at you. Maybe, maybe they'll offend you. But you can, you know, I, the thing is this. I can't tell you exactly when to draw the line and say, right, stop there. Okay, so it's, it's going to have to be a bit of hit and miss. But the thing is this. Because you are doing it out of compassion for them. Nothing lost on your part. You have earned all the merits that you need. Right? Even if you don't service them, you're still doing yourself a favor because you're doing it out of compassion and you're doing it out of good intention. It's like if you were to offer me a gilampas or some dana, right? whether I consume it or not has nothing to do with whether you earn merits out of it. The people, uh, an idea that a lot of people have and they're misinformed is, you know, if you offer something, the Swami Nuhasi has to partake in it. They have to, they have to eat it, or they have to drink it, or they have to wear it. Right? Sometimes, some, you know, some devotees, they'll offer a robe, and they'll come and Swami Nuhasi, did you wear it? <laughs> now, imagine, all of you do that. <laughs> 50 people coming and offering robes. And... <laughs> what is that? Ah, people, yeah. <laughs> all, all in the Dhammaho, right? Yeah. So if everyone did that, you know, what if you all decide to offer me a toothbrush? <laughs> uh, or if you all decided to offer a kuti? I'll have to be, I'll be a traveler. <laughs> Traveling from place to place, place like, like a gypsy. I, I won't be able to do anything else. As I'm saying, it matters not whether I, you make use of it. What matters is what was your intention. Remember, I, I reminded you the other day, think about the, the, the value that is within you know, the, the object of your offering. It's not the object, but rather the value behind it, the purpose behind it. Hmm? So when you focus about that and offer it to the Maha Sangha, then your merits are done. You have earned the full amount of merits. There's nothing, you need, there's nothing that needs to happen on my part for you to earn your merits. That is what you need to understand. So anyway, coming back to that point, there is opportunity to practice mudita, whereby you uh, you take a step. You know, it's not really taking a step back, but being a bit more receptive and soft. Yes, being being softer with them. And then next, you have karuna, which is easier than mudita, which is where you go up to them and talk to them and offer your services to them. That is easy to understand. Whereas metta is they come to you. 
So if someone comes to you, I need your help. That's the easiest thing to do, right? Someone needs it, you help them. You don't even have to ask. You don't need to go talking to them about how good something is or, you know, talking, singing praises about it. They've come to ask for you or from you and you can just give it. Karuna, you go, you go to them, you walk up to them and offer it. Mudita, you want to do it, but they're not immediately receptive to it. So you need to be soft and be a bit more tolerant with them. And Upeksha is, now's not the time. So you take a step back. But that taking a step back is not something you do permanently. Unless you are convinced that there is no way that this person can be helped. For instance, it may be that they have committed an, a heinous sin. Killing of the mother, killing of the father, killing of an arahant. Right? These things. If they've done that, pointless. No, no, no point bothering. Or you can still ask him to engage in merits. That will, that will still help. If they're an animal... Someone who doesn't understand, and I mean a four-legged animal, okay? If they're, you know, a beast, right? There's nothing you can do apart from giving them some, some food. There's nothing you can do to help you to attain Nibbana. Absolutely nothing. Not in this birth anyway. There may be some people like that who are not willing to listen to you. They are not interested. And the more you do, like Chundasukara, who lived just next door to the monastery in, in the time of the Buddha. The Buddha dealt with him through Peksha. Because he realized if I go and talk to him, then he's going to go to a much worse place than if I didn't talk to him, didn't bother. So therefore he decided, I need to deal with this person with the picture. This is Buddha, the most, in, the infinitely compassionate one. So even if he, even if he allowed himself to practice that, I think you know, there's a place for us uh, with that as well. But don't give up. Giving up is not upeksha. That's what I want you to understand. Especially with human beings. Because human beings are always susceptible to change. They you know, anytime something can change. Something will change. Perhaps, you know, some people don't wish to come to the temple. Don't wish to go to the monastery. Don't wish to go and see a monk until they get a cancer. Yes or no? Yeah, there are some people like that. You can't drag them by their feet to the temple. But if they get a cancer, if they get something, you know, some, some fatal disease or something, they will... They will you know, the next top temple. Maybe that's the time that you need to help them. For some people it is. Sometimes, you know, after that, their, their lives have changed. They came in a Prutagdana, they die through their cancer, but they die in a, a noble person. That can happen. That's a, we don't know when. So we just keep trying. Because our efforts will only do us good. Provided our intention is pure. If they don't like it and you force on it, force it upon them because you want to show that you are right, that's not the right intention. You need to do it out of compassion for them. Because sometimes you, you know you could get in the wrong mindset, you know. My mother has to listen to the Dhamma. I will make her listen to the Dhamma if it's the last thing I do. Right? Otherwise I don't feel good about it. Right? That is that is not compassion. Don't do that. In doing that, you may actually accrue demerit because you're trying to force someone to do something they don't like to do. And, you know, sometimes that might be based in anger. Hmm? So that's not good. But give it time. Maybe it's just simply, you know, offering uh, Buddha Puja. Perhaps that is where they start. You know, I, I don't know the situation in, in detail, madam, but, you know, although the good lady's mother has no confidence in the Sangha. I'm sure she has confidence in the Buddha. 
you know, there's there's not one blemish in that character to say, you know, that's where he got it wrong. So perhaps all she can be encouraged to do right now is offer a glass of water. Or maybe you take the glass of water, but bring it, take it up to her so that she can, you know, rejoice in that. Just say sadhu. And you go and offer it. Or maybe you'll plug the flowers and take it to her. Mother, I want to offer these flowers to the Buddha. You don't have to come, but I just wanted to let you know. Ah, okay, okay. At least she said, okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's where you start. Do you want to hire his services? <laughs> Only three years, Mahaputa. Huh? I've got my eyes on you. So you see, don't ever give up. Because the thing is, you know, in other perspective, in other ways of, of looking at it, they never gave up on you. Today you're trying to give your mother the Dhamma. But remember, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, ma'am. <laughs> don't give her the Dhamma just yet. That's what I'm saying. Don't give her the Dhamma. But that is not giving up. That's what I'm saying. Give her time. Today, don't give her Dhamma. Give her time. Again, no. Of course, because she's, she's, you know, she has a very bad opinion about the Sangha. Because who's going to use the Atapirika? Sangha, not the Buddha. And so she's not interested in that. She'll say, give it to my dog and I'll be happy with that. Not to the Sangha. Yes. I'm not, I, I'm not surprised. And remember, it's not because she is bad or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, we shouldn't force her now. At this, at this time, we shouldn't be forcing her. We should give her time. Will that time come during her lifetime? I don't know. We don't know. So to say. How good is that? Yeah. Uh, that? If that is her wish? No, you're not, man. No, you're not. And exactly that's what I'm saying. Don't stop trying. I agree with everything she said except for that. Did you? <laughs> you should take her to spec service. <laughs> Get her some glasses. Right? Now what I'm saying is, you know, I, I I truly appreciate what you're doing because you still haven't given up. My what I'm trying to emphasize here is, I'm not saying go behind them and make sure that they listen to the dhamma. Okay, don't try to force them to listen to the dhamma or bring them to the temple or, you know, offer arms, or bring the Swami nuances there and try and make sure that, you know, you shoehorn them into the, into the path. That doesn't work. Don't do that. As the right lady just said, the more you do it, the more resentment that will happen within them and they'll just continue to hate it and, you know, they'll hate it with, with passion, you know, after a while. Right? So, you and I understand the gravity of what she says when, you know, of her ignorance. 
and I'm sure you won't mind me using those words, of the, of her ignorance when she says, you know, don't even offer arms to the Sangha upon my passing away. Because that is the only refuge that one will have after one is dead. Right? If they haven't accrued merits during their lifetime. But it may be that if she dies with this idea, with this opinion, that offering arms to the Sangha is not going to be of benefit to her. Even after she passes away, then maybe the child home is the path for her. But, you know, all of us started there. The thing is, we just don't remember this. You know, there was a time when you and I would have been disciples of the Nikantanathaputta. And then when we saw the Buddha and his disciples, we must have said, oh, these fools, don't offer arms to them. We would have said these things. You know, I'm just her future. As she is my past. So, that past has changed today. You know? And all we can do is do whatever we can, given the circumstances. You know, when a patient is in the ICU, you treat them accordingly. When they're in the OPD department, you treat them accordingly. When they're in the ward, you treat them accordingly. Uh, if they've just come to the uh, for a consultation room, you treat them accordingly. Right? Depending on the circumstances, depending on what they're prepared for, and depending on what they're wishing for you to do, draw the line there. As I say, with duty and responsibility towards others, there's always a place where you'll have to draw the line. When it comes to duty and responsibility towards yourself, that is infinite. Your duty to yourself can never be handed over to somebody else. Right? You can't delegate it to someone else. Can you please attend Iban on my behalf? If, I, if that were possible, you wouldn't have to come here. You would have done it for all of you by now. Okay, there would only be Guru Swami Nansi at the monastery and all of us would be at home right? if he could do it for all of us. No, actually, the Buddha would have done it for all of us. Yeah, so, so unfortunately, when we talk about duty and responsibility to ourselves, no one can fill our, our shoes for us. They can't fill in for us. But when it comes to others, gauge for yourselves where you need to draw that line and, 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 and be confident in doing that. It's okay. What I'm saying is, don't make that a, a line that you draw in stone. It's a line you draw in the sand. Be willing to change it. Be willing to rub it out and draw it again. Maybe a bit further to the left, perhaps a bit further to the right. Because depending on what they're willing to allow you to do to them, always be flexible. It is that flexibility I expect of you. That is what I'm saying, never, never give up. Always be willing to change yourselves on their behalf. If they are ready to one day to listen to the Dhamma, and maybe they are not listen, ready to listen to this Swami Nuance's Dhamma, maybe they are willing to listen to a Mahinin Nuance, maybe they are willing to listen to a, a lay devotee, a lay person preach the Dhamma. Right? Perhaps that's where we start. Or maybe they are just, just happy to go to a, a, for a Pirit, but not listen to the Dhamma. Maybe they'll be happy to just wash an arms bowl, but not to offer the Dhamma. But maybe, you know, they're not happy to invite the Swami Nuances to their home, but they'll be happy to come to yours when you offer a dana. And they'll sit outside. That's okay. Playing a game of carom. That's still okay. They'll still come. That's a start. So we all start somewhere. The destination is the same for all of us. Don't you fear, ma'am, your mother is on her path to Nibbana. 
Jeez. Otherwise, there's no reason to have a daughter like you. Wouldn't you agree? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. For everyone, there's a time and a place. It's whenever their merits mature. We don't know when that's going to happen. Merits can mature at any time. You know, when they're at the right place at the right time, it's it's difficult to say. It's hard to say. It's just almost impossible for us to say. That's only, you know, in the purview of the Buddhas. So you know, we just keep on trying our best, and that will earn you merits. So trust in that. Trust in the fact that you are doing yourself. At the end of the day, you know, we our duty to ourselves is not something that we can delegate to someone, as I've just explained to you, and it's not something that we can consider fulfilled until we have achieved. Our ultimate goal, right? So until such time, imagine you know if, when the mother dies, how can you now fulfill your duties? You can't. So, but you can still offer arms, right? Or you know every year you can do something, and in her name transfer merits, right? These things you can do eventually, right? So what I'm saying is, do your service and duty responsibly to yourselves and for others. Understand where you need to draw your draw, draw the line, where you set your limits, but please don't draw them in stone. Keep them flexible. Change as and when the time is right. Today I speak to you like this. If you do, if you were to come in as a Swami Nuhanse or an Anagarika or an Anagarika, I would speak to you in different language. I would speak to you more strongly. Yeah, I would. I would. Perhaps I would be very much more direct in my advice to you. And I say, stop that. You're never going to do that again. Isn't that right, Dasandru? Yes, he knows all about it. <laughs> but right now... Hmm? Oh. <laughs> For how long is the problem? <laughs> now, the thing is this, you know, I only get to see you once a week. So, you know, the... What I need to do with you is only... I can only do until... You know, for for as long as you're here, because there are some. I know, I know. What can <laughs> I understand, man? I understand. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, some kinds of treatment, like say antibiotics, right? If you start it, you have to complete the course. If you skip one, you have to start all over again, right? So, don't you ever think that you know we are doing less than what we need for you, need for you. Need need for you to do to be doing right now, right? Whatever you need right now, we will continue to keep asking ourselves: Are we doing enough? Do we need to do more? I, I was thinking this morning, you know, maybe we should start doing those meditation sessions again. But you know, in due course, we will start doing that. Not to worry. So that's why when you start earning your merits, right? Ideas will start popping into our heads, and you know, these things will start to happen. Okay. At, at no point will we do your disservice. Or do you do less than what we can do for you? Because I I know fully well what I do to you is what I do unto myself. So I will never do less than what you deserve. Because in doing so, I will do to myself less than what I deserve. That should be the best assurance that I can give you, right? One day, a lady who is a, a a probation officer of a children's home came up to us and asked me. You know, so I mean, answer. There are some children who would like to, you know, come and stay with us, and you know, eventually ordain. But she says, you know, horrible things have happened in the past, 
you know, in the care of lay people as well as in the as well as in the care of uh, you know the clergy. Okay. So when these things happen, when we when we hear these horror stories, as as a probation officer and as someone who feels responsible for these children's well-being, I feel I feel very very uh, very fearful, very, very afraid, and very scared about you know what might happen to them if I just let them go and into your care. How would I? How can I? How can I alleviate these fears that I have in me? And you know what I told him, Madam, I believe in one thing: what you give is what you get. I'm never going to give someone something that I don't wish to get back in return. Therefore, that is the best assurance that I can give you. I will not do anything to your children or to your, you know, whoever you're going to bring here that I will not wish to be done unto myself because I know and I believe that what I do to others is what happens to me in return. That is the best assurance I can give you. That is the best assurance I can give you as well. So don't you fear, you know, we don't treat you any differently, honestly. You know, we don't treat you any differently. To The same way I treat my parents is the same way I treat you. There's no difference. In fact, I, I, I give you even better treatment than I give them. Uh, you come here face to face and we, you know, we talk at least once or twice a week. But they don't get that. Some weeks, you know, they don't even get to talk because of various engagements. Right? So there's no difference there. There's a special kind of treatment the uh, but that is an inward treatment that treatment can only be given inward because i need to plug the iv <laughs> so for that you need to be physically present here throughout the week because otherwise if you unplug it so you need to go home and come back it's pointless we're just wasting time and resources effort that is simply wasted so i have to save it for someone who's willing to come and spend their time here I'm only being reasonable, I hope you'll understand. But whatever you allow me to do, I will do the maximum I can. Because, you know, if you don't trust me, trust in Guru Hamdru. This is his vision. You have no idea how much he thinks about what else we can do for you. You have no idea, trust me. Every other week we meet as a Sangha council at the monastery. And, you know, uh, we have an agenda of things of what else can we do for our devotees. I was just listening to Panya Jivahamru today. He told me that Indasumana Andhra wishes to uh, bring a point to the uh, Sangha Council next week. And he said he had been observing that after arms on a Saturday, sermon starts at 2.30, right? You finish your arms at 12.45. He says that's a lot of time that our devotees are spending here doing nothing. We should change that. See, they're thinking about it. We need to make that time productive. We need to make sure that they at least have something meritorious that they can engage in. Or maybe can we do some group sermons? Or maybe answer some of their questions? Or maybe can we extend the sermons or whatever? Let's do something so that they, we, we give them the most for the time that they spend here. I'm just curious. This is just one small example. So because we know what we give others is what we get back for ourselves, we will never stop at pushing the limits, the boundaries as to what we can do for you. If I could give, bring you, sit you down here, pat your head, and if that's how you'll understand, I'm willing to do that if you are a male. <laughs> <laughs> because I have to adhere to convention. And I often tell the Anagarika Mahatmyas, the only difference between you and an Anagarika is the, the difference in your gender. You know, I, I, can, I can pat him on the shoulder, 
you know, pat his head and say, Puta, that's fine. Don't do it again. You know, we learn a lesson and let's move on. But I can't do it with the Anagarika Mahatmas. Not because I feel the same affection towards them. But I can't do it because that is not, that is not right. Conventionally, that's wrong. So I don't do it. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so long and short of this is, we talked about belonging. Like that's what I need you to walk out of this room with. We talked about belonging. Belonging is the problem here, this sense of belonging. Belonging is not something that is intrinsic in any, any, in any object. It's not part of it. It's not characteristic of the object. It's, it's a creation. It's a fabrication of the mind. And that belonging only brings with it, what? Fear and grief. And a whole bundle of other negative, destructive emotions. Okay? So that is what we are trying to deal with. That is what we are trying to tackle. But that should not get in the way of us fulfilling our duties and responsibilities. Those few duties and responsibilities have nothing to do with our sense of belonging. They have nothing to do with it. We can do away with the sense of belonging and retain and remain our sense of duty and responsibility. So if you are married today and you have a spouse, look after them even better than you have been doing up until now. In fact, you know, with this sense of belonging and, and once you are able to do away with it, you will only become an even more dutiful person. You will become even more dedicated to the purpose of making the other person happy. Why? Because there's nothing you expect in return. This sense of belonging is all based on one thing. What makes me happy? You see? This is, this is mine because this is what makes me happy. If I can do away with the sense of this, you know, this is what makes me happy. If I can get rid of that, then this sense of belonging of this belongs to me goes away with that. Now I'll just do what is right by this. Therefore, if you are a married person and you can deal with this sense of belonging and get rid of this attachment, the other person can still be your husband or your wife. You'll be an even better husband, an even better wife, because regardless of what they do unto you, you will always do what is right by them. So there will not be an eye for an eye. There will not be an exchange of bad words for bad words. There will not be any retaliation. All that is because I, you promised to make me happy and on that basis I am making you happy. But what if your happiness is not based on what they give you or don't give you? Then it matters not. You do it because that is what is right by them. That's what I am saying. When we work with the Dhamma, everyone benefits. Absolutely everyone benefits. But in your efforts to give other people the Dhamma, please understand that there will be, uh, be a time and a place and a way to do it. Right? Understand those boundaries, but don't draw them in stone. Draw them in sand so that you're always willing to shift them and adjust and make amendments. Keep yourself flexible. That is your Nibbana. Okay? Before we conclude, I need to remind you that there's a, you know, there are a lot of people, some of you may know, some of you may not know. It's not just the Swami Nuanse here or the Swami Nuanse there or the people setting up the, the, the you know, the setup here that make it comfortable for you to come and listen to the sermons. There are a lot of people behind the scenes. Some of them are not even here. Some of them are in other countries. They do a lot of this. They make this possible. 
I'm led to believe that they even pay for some of the expenses or the cost that is involved in transporting you from wherever you need to get to to the monastery. So I think if some of you are uh, you hire some <coughs> transport to get to the monastery, right? I'm I'm led to believe that there is a, a group of people who are avid followers of the Buddha's philosophy. They understand that you know doing unto others is doing unto themselves. And they bear the partly the cost of that that transport. This is just one example of that. You know the reason that there's a video camera here. You know I I don't think any of you bought that camera. I might be wrong, but you know someone else bought it. But that person may not even be using it now. Perhaps they are not listening to the Dhamma, but they did it on your behalf. Perhaps the people who brought these chairs they're not sat here right now. Maybe they're somewhere else in in Australia. Maybe in the USA. Maybe in the UK somewhere. So they didn't do it for themselves; they did it for others because they know what we do for others is what we do for us for ourselves. So there are a lot of people who put in a lot to make this happen for all of us. It is an opportunity for me to engage in merits as well. So I'm thankful and grateful to them for creating this environment. And even among yourselves, you know, there'll be people who perhaps you know they invite others. Maybe you know you you share your vehicle with someone so that you can bring them here. Right? Maybe you. make them comfortable perhaps you know I, i one thing i know for sure and this this has been proven time and time again you know right when we started back sermon said alan mathinya rama so you remember some of the feedback that we got right some people they started listening to the sermons not because of the swami mahanse they didn't find the swami mahanse good looking <laughs> right they came one day to the alan mathinya rama temple and it is because of the way they were treated by whom by you people or people who were there at the time they they felt so welcome and they were offered a seat they were offered a, a cup of tea and they were made sure that they you know they, the the toilets were were shown to them and you know made sure that they were comfortable at, at the moment they walked in and they they looking at you they realized there must be something here because never in their lives had they seen a group of people so kind and so compassionate be an example that the dhamma is true be exemplary devotees of the dhamma that will serve you well i promise you because in looking at your conduct in looking at your behavior if someone you know gives a sadhukar that is a sadhukar that they have given towards a sambuddha sasana and they don't have to do that looking at a monk because sometimes you can't do it looking at monks right man yeah but looking at you the way you you treat others with respect and with decency so i said at the beginning we should all be right at the right at the start decent human beings and that decency can can win over lots of hearts and you have done that and just as you there are other people who are not here who never get to be here <laughs> we've been doing these sermons for what four five years some people have never set foot in this monastery but do you know that some of them make sure that you have an afternoon meal at the end of this sermon do you know that they make sure that you have a seat to sit down when you get here and that the air cons are working so that you can stay spend your time here comfortably but they've never set foot in the monastery perhaps they may never do not in their lifetime such is pure compassion such is the nature of the dhamma such is the nature of the dhamma that once you understand it 
You don't do things to make yourself happy. Altruism becomes part of you. Doing for others. Simply because it makes them happy. Because they have a path to their liberation. They have a path to their freedom. And that's all you want. I know you understand what I'm saying because you are all like that. You all feel what I'm saying to a lesser or greater extent because you have all experienced this. You know what I'm talking about. This is not Greek to you, is it? You know that, that there are people like that? Yeah, it's not an alien concept to you, is it? You understand this because you are like that. How many of you have brought someone else here today? Hmm? How many of you have at least passed on the message? You know, there's a sermon. Perhaps you might like to listen to it. Come along one day, just one day. And see, if you don't, if you don't like it, you can go, it's fine. I'll pay the bus fare as well. So you know what I'm talking about. So there are people out there. That is why at the end of these sermons, we always transfer merits to all of them. You know, those who made this possible, hmm? those faces are not here today. Perhaps, we'll, perhaps I will never see them. Perhaps they will never see me. They've soon seen me through a, a TV screen, but they'll never see me in person. But they've made it possible for you to come here and see Guru Swami Nuhanse, right? and to see myself and to see other Swami Nuhanses. Decent human beings. Yes, madam. Kalyanamitas. So if you, the, you know, the best reward that you can give back for that best best payback for that is become someone like that become more of someone like that it's something Guru Swaminwanse always tells us in return for what I do for you my students he says I don't expect for you to look after me or tend to me when I'm older when, I, when I'm old and frail or to wash my robes or to bring me arms. I don't expect any of that. I only expect two things. One, make sure you attend Nibbana. And two, help as many people as you possibly can in your lifetime attain the same. These are the only two things that he has asked of us and he's never wavered from that. From the time I remember him, he's always only asked for these two things. Our Nibbana and that of others. So, what can I ask of you then? The same. Yes, that is what decent human beings are like. Okay? So, in our transfer of merits, let us make sure that we think of them. And I'm also informed that every full moon poe day, Listeners of our English sermons contribute to the it's a dan, isn't it? Yeah. They they have they have continued you know from starting from two years back when we when the pandemic hit uh, our regular listeners of the English sermons they have continued to nourish this the Mahasangha. And, you know, the way we do it at the monastery, I'm sure Guru Hamdur has explained to you before, you know, whatever contribution you make, we work out what is the bare minimum that we need for our sustenance. Right? So just because you, you make 
generous contributions doesn't mean that we turn that all into food and stuff ourselves with it. I mean, look at our Swami Nazis. Do you think any of them are obese? No. If they've come here like that, then they are, they are working on it, right? To, to, to make themselves fitter. But look at our Swami Nazis. They're very fit. Because, you know, one reason is because we, we you know, we don't, we are, we're not so focused on, you know, what goes in. For as, for as long as this, this, this machine can run and, you know, it's not going to fall ill, you know, we are happy with that. So, whatever is left over, for whatever contributions you make, it goes into building these things. The, the shrine rooms or the, the you know, the Dhamma hall, the, this library, you know, the air, con- air conditioning, you know, to, to keep this place running so that yourself and more people like you can come here. One of the problems, you know, I, I was thinking to myself when Panya Yuhandru mentioned this earlier on, after this, this, earlier on in the afternoon about, you know, what can we do in that two and a half hours, is I, I thought to myself, if we had another roof over our heads, perhaps we could have maybe done small group discussions with our devotees. Maybe get them to explain what they have understood from the morning sermon and maybe help answer some of those questions. Perhaps we could have done that, but where do we keep them? So, so then, you know, we start thinking ourselves, maybe we can save a little bit more from what you, what you give towards the arms. And then we, we, we learn to become creative. Nothing goes to waste at this monastery. Nothing. Not even the plastic that is at the end of a razor. You know, we, we make uh, plastic containers out of them. Soap baskets and things like that. Not even that goes to waste. Nothing goes to waste here. Because we appreciate and understand how much you put in, how much effort you put in to earn this. Because I know, you know, living out there is no easy task. And then you have to feed yourselves, you have to look after your families, you have to look after your sick and aging parents, right? And then you also feel that you have a duty to look after the Mahasangha. So therefore, whatever you offer, we have made it our duty. This is part, this is part of my duty and the other members of the Sangha Council to make sure that every penny that you generate, that you donate here, we make the most out of it. There is nothing in a bank account that I, I that I have. You know, the same van that got donated back what five years ago. We still have it. gets gets repaired from time to time. But you haven't seen Guru Hamro traveling in a Montero, have you? No. Not unless the devotee comes and picks him up. Because that is not what we are here for. That's not what we are here for. As I so you know, I assure you that. What is the best assurance I can give you? Yes, what you give is what you get. So I would be a fool, wouldn't I be, to abuse or misuse or misappropriate anything that is offered to the sasana, because it belongs to the sasana, right? And that is greater and pure than anything possibly imaginable. So that I give you my assurance. I just want to remind you that there are a lot of people among you who are listening, our regular listeners, as well as those who don't get the chance to be here, who contribute to making your stay here possible. So let us make sure that when we transfer merits to them, to all sentient beings, that we think about them as well. Okay? Right. Okay then.
Let us take a moment to transfer the merits that we have all acquired. By making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem, chanting Pirit, listening to the Dhamma, and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. First and foremost, let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching. And with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, upasakas and upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the Tripitaka, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us also transfer these merits that we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us also transfer these merits to Guru Swami Nuhansi and our teachers and all other monks resident at this monastery, as well as all the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who made great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these sermons, sharing them out with others or inviting others to join them, and may through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plane, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plane, may through the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also transfer the merits we have acquired to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery, to those of you who provide the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes and medicines, as well as those of you who have passed on their know-how and continue to extend their well wishes. May to the power of these merits they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer merits to our mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews, nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who have helped us, supported us, assisted us in any way, shape or form. And by the power of these merits, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the non-meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transmit to the devas, brahmas, spirits and demons, primarily the Sakadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Sambhuddhasasana. Let us also transfer these merits to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may through the power of these merits, they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transmit to our ancestors who have predeceased us, to all those who have been families, friends and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in Sansara, and to those who have helped, supported and assisted us in any way, shape or form. Let us take a to take a moment to transfer merits to our members of the armed forces as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nation and may all those who have lost their lives in the war be their friend or foe rejoice in the merits we have acquired today let us also transfer merits to all those who lost their lives in natural calamities such as the tsunamis and earthquakes landslides and pandemics including the most recent and prevailing one, reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in Sansara. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits to them. May to the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble laid forth path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. And finally, let us all resolve that may through the power and blessings of all the maids we have acquired throughout the day, we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of arahants on this blessed land, 
and may to the power of all the mates we have acquired throughout the day, you and I, and everyone who's helped make this program a success, become an arahatun vahanse, an arahatarinin vahanse, in this very life itself, and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all. The members of the Mahasangha will now transfer their <coughs> blessings to you. Raga ginnam midatnva Dvesha ginnam midatnva Moha ginnam midatnva Nibbana parma sukhayan Sukhita tara vetnva Nibbana parma sukhayan Sukhita tara vetnva Mamada siyalu loka siyalu satnvayo Nibbana parama sukhayan Sukhita tara vetna Nibbana parama sukhayan Sukhita tara vetna Nibbana parama sukhayan Sukhita tara vetna Raga vini niveva Dvesha gini niveva Moha gini niveva Nivansapa labeva Nivansapa labeva Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu.